Welcome back to the Music Industry 360 podcast. I'm Vanessa. I'm Tarika. And today we have a very special topic for you guys. It's called Let's Talk Royalties. And we are welcoming back the boss man himself, Jorge Brea, our CEO. Hello, hello. Hope to uh, educate you guys as much as possible on royalties, finance, and all sorts of fun stuff that relates to music, but in a more numerical format. Okay, so the first question we have is, what is a royalty? So a royalty, it's a payment made by one party, the licensee or franchisee, to another, so a musician or record label, for the use of an asset. So when we distribute your music to Spotify, they pay Symphonic a royalty, and based on that agreement that we may have with you, the musician, then we pay you. Uh, Royalty payouts are typically agreed upon as a uh, percentage of songs or net revenue derived from the use of an asset, or a fixed price per unit sold of an item of such. But there's also other modes and metrics of compensation. But in simple terms, every time that your music is downloaded on iTunes, Beatport, or streamed on Apple or Spotify, it's earning what is called a royalty. Are those royalties tracked by your distributor or tracked by the streaming platform? Good question. So the streaming providers do track it and they provide us reporting. Uh, From there, obviously, we get information on how well a song did or, in some cases, didn't do. And then we pass that information on down uh, to you. So because we have the agreements with, like, a Spotify or Apple, the royalty information gets passed on to us first, as well as the uh, funds that were made from that, you know, streaming or downloading of your song. And once we go ahead and collect our percentage, or if in this case we're bypassing our percentage, then we just pass it on down to you uh, during our regular payment times. Well, one of our recent podcasts, we talked about publishing administration, So, uh, and then you mentioned streaming now. So my second question is, what types of royalties are there? There's actually quite a bit of royalties out there, uh, but I want to highlight just some essential ones. The first one is the master-generated royalties. This is a recording royalty, and it's the most basic royalty that artists and labels get every time that their master recording is downloaded on iTunes Beatport or streamed on Spotify or Apple. Mechanical royalties are earned when a uh, per unit when a song is sold on a mechanically reproduced physical medium, so like vinyl or physical CDs. And nowadays, this also does include digital downloads and internet streaming as well. Mechanical can sound a little bit confusing in terms of the digital age, but it's just kind of like a category that uh, was created. The word mechanical in this case stems from uh, the early days of the music industry when compositions were physically or mechanically manufactured and reproduced onto physical products for public consumption. I'm saying a lot, but try to catch (laughs) on here. There's a few more royalties, too, that I think are important to highlight. Performance royalties, uh, this is when... You know, a song is broadcast or performed publicly in some way. That was probably a big topic on the publishing administration episode that you guys did. Synchronization fees or sync uh, royalties, they're paid by music users for synchronizing music with their visual images based on the exclusive right to reproduce and distributed copyrighted works and to prepare derivative works of copyrighted material. So anytime that your, you know, song is used like an HBO or ABC that's a sync fee as well as a performance royalty as well. So the last big one is neighboring rights. So neighboring rights uh, are collected by societies um, that specialize in that type of royalty. In order to collect those neighboring rights royalties that you're owed, registering your individual master recordings directly with each society in the territories or using Symphonic's neighboring rights service can go ahead and ensure that that small percentage of your royalties are paid. 
So there's, as you can see, there's quite a lot of different kind of areas and mediums to collect royalties. Uh, fortunately, we have a lot of different services and offerings that try to help you collect all those uh, through the point of a click, I would say. Yeah, so that was my follow-up question is that, so some, with Symphonic, so this isn't the same with all distribution companies, but with Symphonic, we're kind of like, the, you know, all in one, like they can track all their royalties with, you know, just like you said, a click of the button. Correct, yeah. I mean, we have neighboring rights uh, services, publishing administration services, and obviously um, the traditional master royalty services. So every time that we distribute and your song is getting downloaded or streamed, then it's earning the master royalty as well. So we tried to cover as many different offerings as possible all in one place so that you wouldn't be you know, stuck with having to figure out how to actually go out and, and get these little royalties that may be out there, so. Yeah, that's convenient. Yes, that's what we try to do here. <laughs> what are the standard royalty payments for downloads and streams? Downloads on iTunes can range from 50 cents to 90 cents per song. And that all depends on the deal that you may have with us or with any other distributor. And streaming rates can be, you know, 0.006 less and or more because there's a lot of variables that affect that pay rate. So the amount of ads that a particular provider has booked and or the amount of subscriber that that provider has creates a revenue pool. And however many streams that you may have within each provider would determine your actual pay rate. In addition to that, on the streaming side, every territory has a different rate. So... Um, you know, in Russia, they may sell a uh, subscription for nine, $9, which equates to nine rubles, let's say, over there. And that equals a different, you know, subscription rate than it would here in the U.S. And based on that, then your actual streaming rates would be lower. So it's kind of a confusing thing because streaming rates are never going to have one set amount per play. It all varies on, you know, time of year, how popular they are in that territory, etc., so if an artist came to you and said, hey, can I make $100 off of this release in a week, what would you say? I would probably say, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to guarantee that, you know, to anybody. Um, I think that they can maybe get 100 plays easier than $100, and 100 plays may be about a dollar or less. Uh, it depends on the provider, obviously, that we're talking about, too. Um, so, you know, streaming... It's got a lot of great potential, but a lot of uh, artists and musicians may look down on it because of the lower pay rates. But it's pretty similar to radio in that sense, too, where radio doesn't pay you 50 cents every time that you're getting played. It's a pretty minuscule number. So so that information about, like, if somebody asks you, how much does, say, Vivo pay per play? Like, that's confidential, basically. We have confidentiality agreements that, you know, we can't tell any client, like, what... Uh, Vivo's percentage is from a particular, um, you know, play and or deal, so to speak. But we're able to obviously say, okay, here's everything post uh, potentially Vivo's payment. Some of that information, yeah, is, it's confidential. And every pay, every provider has a different rate. So Vivo is going to be paying differently than YouTube, actually, and even Spotify and so forth. So to add on to that then, why are streaming royalties so low compared to downloads? The reason for that, well, actually, there's many reasons. First, there's a very big shift happening right now in the music industry from downloads to streaming. Before that, it was physical to download. So we've seen this before where you would make, you know, $11 on an album release or a CD release, and then you had to be subjected to only making $0.70, cents, you know, per track, so to speak. Same thing is happening now, but with downloads being phased out. 
by, you know, 2020, it's likely that streaming is going to be even double the size that it is now. So that's a very, you know, promising thing for the industry. But the reason that they're kind of low is because there's a revenue pool that's associated. So however many ads Spotify potentially has booked onto their freemium platform and however many subscribers that they have booked determines how much revenue that they're able to allocate towards a song or, you know, towards a release. And however popular that artist is or however many plays will determine their pay rate. So somebody like Luis Fonsi with Despacito is, you know, obviously killing it in royalties right now because they have a tremendous amount of plays compared to every other artist on the platform. The royalty rates are low, though, because if you were to pay, you know, 50 cents or, you know, 90 cents per song, then Spotify would cease to exist, really, because you just can't pay off a fixed rate. So it's kind of hard to explain why they're really low. It's just an algorithm that's been created by every subscription-based model or streaming provider to determine what a pay rate is. And it is, unfortunately, lower than downloads, but... Over the next few years, when more subscribers get on and more ads are booked on freemium-based models, those pay rates should increase. Long answer, I know. <laughs> no, that's promising for a lot of artists that are just trying to you know, see how much money they can make off their music. So. Definitely. I mean, I'm starting to see that there's uh, clients of ours that are doing better on the streaming side than they are on the download side. So the shift is definitely real. It's happening, um, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm seeing it on the video distribution side, too, where um, there's a lot more plays on Vivo and Tidal versus uh, actually purchasing the video on iTunes. Yeah, I would say so, too. I mean, with the video distribution side and even royalties, we I always tell folks that the actual or being on iTunes and Amazon, it's a great promotional value to go along with the fact that you're on Vivo and Tidal, which are streaming platforms. What are some common misconceptions surrounding royalties? I see a lot of articles online that, you know, kind of show what pay rates are or how one provider is paying more than the other. All that stuff is interesting, but it's not entirely accurate because there's a lot of factors that go into play. So those articles are meant to kind of educate you and give you averages of what pay rates are or what potential royalties you can make. But everything really differs based on how well your song's performing, who's distributing it, etc., Another big one that I've seen is um, if you're charting like on a download store like Beatport and let's say you're on the uh, the breaks genre, if you're in the top five or the top ten, you may have a thought process that, oh, you know, you're making a tremendous amount of royalties and a lot of sales. That could be very different by the genre that it is. And even being number one on another provider like, you know, Digital Tunes or Track It Down, it's going to be a different payout than it would be if you were number one on the iTunes worldwide U.S. charts. So that's a common misconception that people have that if they're charting, they're going to be getting a lot of royalties. It's, you know, depends on the genre and or the provider. One of the other ones that I see a lot is that one distributor will potentially help you get more royalties than the other. Um, Obviously, we see that a lot because we're in the distribution industry, but there's absolutely no effect that a distributor has on your performance and or royalties and or featured opportunities. Uh, Every distributor has a different relationship, has a different way of obviously trying to push your products, but no distributor is getting something above the other. And if they were, that would be, you know, a lot of potential legal problems for the iTunes or the Beatports of the world. So when do service providers pay royalties? Daily, weekly, or monthly? So every provider has kind of like a different 
time period as to when they provide uh, royalties from a reporting and payment standpoint. We're starting to see that most providers now are going towards a monthly reporting, but it can then take 60 days after the date that they report for them to actually pay. That's one of the reasons that it's a bit of a challenge at times to actually for us to switch to uh, monthly reporting from our quarterly reporting uh, schedule that we have, but it's something that we're working towards. Potentially doing monthly payments to, to clients will mean that we'll be advancing quite a bit of royalties. And the reason that we also have quarterlies, is even as of right now, is because these providers, no matter how big they are, actually make mistakes. I can't name who or particular mistakes that they've made, uh, but it does happen, obviously, at times. You won't see daily royalties being paid out, but you may see uh, daily royalties being reported to us, which and then we report to you guys through our uh, system. Now, on a streaming side, we never get any daily uh, revenue reports. We only get daily streaming counts because it's very hard for these providers and, of course, us to then determine, here's how many plays you did on Monday and this is what it equates to in revenue. We won't know until the reports are actually posted what those streaming plays will equate to revenue-wise. And Essentially, most of them um, do that on a monthly basis. So my long answer is monthly is the, the go-to reporting and sometimes payment periods. And that all relies on uh, they have to verify that it's an actual play, right? right? You know, that it's not a bot that someone has purchased, which you shouldn't do. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's also a good point. Uh, another thing, too, is that if you were to listen to a song in Spotify and you haven't listened to it for 30 consecutive seconds, then it doesn't count as a royalty. So, um, yeah, click fraud is what that's called, you know, when somebody's just effectively, you know, pressing play on their material just to get a royalty. That's pretty highly monitored, but we've seen some cases where, you know, people have been pretty crafty in it. And uh, those plays are usually verified and sometimes they're omitted from the reporting that we get. Does one service provider pay out more streaming royalties than another? I would say that rather than saying that one's paying out more than the other, I will say that they do have different pay rates because obviously they have different amounts of subscribers that are using their platform. This goes back to an earlier point where I mentioned that there's a lot of articles out there that are trying to compare a lot of these providers. Some of it is accurate, but some of it can be misleading and is not going to be a specific case that you can use for your music because... You know, in Russia, you're going to get a certain amount of royalties, whereas in Brazil, you're going to get another. And then here in uh, the U.S., obviously, it's going to be a different pay rate. So I would say that we're definitely seeing some growth for, uh, from a streaming royalty standpoint in terms of all providers starting to pay out more. Uh, but they're all just going to be different pay rates, unfortunately. So you really can't say if, like, Spotify is pays more than Beport or... Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I don't want to to offend uh, Beatport or Spotify uh, or anybody else, so I, I can't really say which one pays out more. But from what I'm seeing, streaming is definitely growing, and um, I think it's a pretty bright future for sure. That's my political answer. Right <laughs> so speaking of uh, political answers, um, so how much does Symphonic make royalty-wise? So I won't, again, <laughs> be able to say like a specific monetary amount, but we usually make anywhere from 30% to down to 10%, down to to just 0% because we get paid on uh, fees to distribute music. So it really depends on the deal that you have with us uh, that will determine how much revenue we will earn. 
But to give you kind of a hypothetical, if you're getting, you know, $50 on Spotify for your song and, you know, you're on our option three record label plan, we're going to take 10% of that $50 and just pass the rest on down to you. So we always want to make things to where the musician or the record label is getting the biggest bang for the buck. Uh, and of course, we still have to keep the lights on, which is why we have different percentage-based plans and fee-based plans. So in that example, Spotify also takes out a certain portion as well, right? Correct, yeah. So whenever we receive the reports, it's everything after like Spotify's percentage or any other you know provider that gives us reports. So we're able to say, all right, this is what has been paid out that we can then split with whoever provided us the music, that being the musician or record label. So we don't... That's also something we don't know is how much the streaming platform takes out. Right, yeah. We we have the agreements, which kind of give us a percentage, but not every report that we receive will show us like what the gross amount is before the payout that we provide to the musician. Some do, but because of confidentiality, we obviously keep that pretty tight. Sure. So are royalties taxed differently in the U.S. from the rest of the world? I actually kind of enjoy that question because I spent a lot of time kind of just trying to create a tax resource and our help desk and so forth. There are some differences. So let's say if you're in Milwaukee, you're going to get a 1099 from us at the end of the year if you've made $600 and up. What your responsibility is to obviously is to report that income to the IRS and based on however many losses and so forth, you'll either get a refund and or you'll owe taxes on that. Um, We send, at the same time that we send you a 1099, we send information to the IRS that we have paid those royalties out. So anytime you get a 1099 from anybody, just know that your information's with the IRS and if you don't report it, that's going to be subject to investigation at some point by the IRS. They will find you. They will find you, (laughs) you know, for sure. Now, From an international perspective, it's a little bit different and a little bit trickier. Um, So the United States has tax treaties with several countries all over the world. um, And that tax treaty aims to lower any potential taxation that may happen uh, between, you know, you based in a particular country and the U.S. So U.S. and Moldova, for example, have a tax treaty, which means that any U.S. sourced income is not taxed at all. So 0% taxation. But if you live in Brazil... There's actually 30% taxation because uh, the U.S. and Brazil do not have a tax treaty with each other. So what all that means is if you're a musician and you've gotten $300 of downloads and or streaming royalties from the U.S. territory, only that territory is going to be taxed at 30% before you receive your payout. Now, that's what's called withheld income. Um, At the end of a year, we'll send you what's the equivalent of a 1099, but it's called a 1042S. And when you get this 1042S, it's going to show you all the income that we've withheld and paid to our local IRS for then for you to report to either get tax credits and or a refund within your country. So it's a bit complicated, I know. You think? (laughs) (laughs) But um, from an international perspective, like I said, it's tricky. And for the most part, if you're in a pretty, you know, large country such as the United Kingdom, Germany, um, you know, any major kind of Euro uh, area, you're not taxed at all, or it's like a 5% tax withholding that occurs. And if someone wanted to read more about this, they can check out the... Yeah, so we've got a pretty extensive tax resource on our help desk. Uh, We have one for the U.S. and for international as well. It's got like about 50 articles in each. 
Um, a lot of that stuff that, you know, we spent a lot of time and actual money uh, researching so that way we could uh, figure these things out for musicians. And while it seems a little bit uh, frustrating, I will have to say that every distributor, no matter where they're at, has a situation like this. So any U.S.-based distributor that is, you know, not doing this, it's because they're not being compliant with the IRS. But any distributor, let's say, that's based in the U.K., the U.K. will have uh, different tax treaties with whatever country in the world as well. So they do have, you know, I believe it's like a 5% tax treaty with, you know, like Spain, for example, also. So it's not just the United States problem. You know, distributors all over the world have to report their taxes and or withhold particular income. Okay. Sweet. I want to add, too, I do believe we have a simple tips called updating your tax details that was hosted by Miss Tarika here. That's right. That's actually super duper important to also do, like, because if you do not keep your tax details updated, then we can't send you your tax forms. And obviously, then that can land you in some issues. So every musician, I think, needs to treat royalties and their accounting as serious as possible. You know, if you're making anything above like twenty, thirty thousand, you certainly need to be keeping it seriously. But if you're even at a thousand dollars, while the tax hit might not be severe, it's just better to be compliant than not. Uh, so you mentioned the the help center. If someone wanted to get more information on royalties, where could they go? So definitely, the help center is what I consider to be the go-to. Um, on the blog, though, we have some uh, interesting resources. You could just search royalties and. You'll get a bunch of different uh, articles that are there. Uh, so simblog.com and symphonic.help, I think, are the two best resources. Aside of that, though, if you have a lot of questions or anything that's just not answered or you need clarification, you know, do feel free to create a, a ticket. We tried to, to help people out as much as possible. We're not tax professionals, but we certainly uh, have them as partners, so we can gladly ask them a question if we're unable to answer. I know that there are two articles that I usually will send clients that ask, you know, how do I get paid and when do I get paid? And that's actually what those articles are titled. And they give you a step-by-step process of how to select to get paid in the Symphonic MS. And then the other one is um, it gives the quarterly report dates. Definitely, yeah. We even have one that kind of explains each and every column of like your quarterly report export. So you can have kind of a definition of what each column means because there's a few words and terminologies that are not kind of easily known. So we've tried to, to create a pretty extensive resource to, to help anybody out at whatever time that they have, but we still understand if there might be any questions um, associated. And lastly, you know, we've got some interesting things that are going to be coming up in the next uh, few months that we think are going to help uh, clients from a royalty perspective, from an analytics, and even from an accounting tax perspective as well. So stay tuned for some system updates there as well. So are advances the same as royalties? So that's a good question. Um, advances are kind of the same, but kind of not. So let's say hypothetically that I wanted to sign you, Tarika, to a record label. Who knew, right, that you were <laughs> like a, a rapper or something? Um, I can offer you a what is called a recoupable advance. I can give you $5,000, and in order for you to then start earning royalties, you have had to make me the $5,000 back before you get any uh, payment from that. There's also non-recoupable advances. So if I really want you on my record label, I can pay you $5,000 in addition to any royalties that you're earning. But that's basically the difference. An advance is literally an advance payment that you make to get a song licensed and or released, whereas royalties 
um, or royalties that you'll make from the success of your download or stream. We've recently struck a pretty cool partnership also uh, with sound royalties that can help offer advances if you qualify. Um, so check that out as well. It's uh, symphonydistribution.com forward slash get an advance. Sweet. I can't wait for your album, Tariqa. It's going to be awesome. Me either. <laughs> I didn't know I was making one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there any other information you wanted to give our listeners? I think we covered a pretty good amount, but I will say that there's a lot of different aspects, a lot of different details that uh, relate to royalties. You can definitely, there's a lot of great things on Google and and other websites that you can research, but some of it may be confusing. And and as I said, there might be some unintentional misleading things online that can confuse people. So I would say to not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, Um, just create a ticket through our help desk and We'll definitely do our best to help out. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our interview portion. So we have some upcoming events. Uh, Jorge, I don't know if you wanted to talk about um, this upcoming event in October since you'll be going. So, yes, we're going to be heading out to the Amsterdam Dance Event, or as I like to say, ADE. That's what everybody pretty much calls it. This is going to be our fifth straight year heading out there. Um, So we'll be available for meetings and obviously to catch clients of ours at shows and things like that. It's a really good event. In my opinion, it's like the flagship dance music event aside of uh, IMS in Ibiza. So um, if you haven't checked it out, go to AmsterdamDanceEvent.nl. I believe that that's their website. And uh, you can get some information on that event. It's pretty cool. So in case you guys haven't seen it already, our Vibes of the Bay recap videos out. Head over to our Facebook or our blog to check it out. We had a great time. A bunch of sweet performers were there. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta say too, it was uh, that recap video is kind of like a tearjerker, guys. If you're having a bad day, <laughs> you know you're gonna get a little emotional, but probably in a feel-good sort of way. So I gotta give props to the video team there because they struck a good chord. Good job, guys. Yeah, well, the um, the song that we used is uh, by W. D. Hahn, correct? Yeah, who also performed there. Really great band, uh, located in St. Pete. Uh, good friends of ours, so we're happy to feature them as well. Well, speaking of W.D. Hahn, uh, that's our next section is what we're listening to. And actually, because of that Vibes of the Bay recap video, I've been checking out their stuff on Spotify and a really cool band. So nice. that's what I've been listening to. I've been listening to a lot of crazy stuff. Like, <laughs> straight up, I've created like my playlist for Symphonic because we do like employee playlists, but I haven't been asked yet. However, when it's time, I have like 150 songs and when you guys listen to it, you're going to think, like, something is wrong with this guy. <laughs> it's got soundtrack scores. It's got, like, rock. It's got some hip-hop. like Some polka? Course, no polka. <laughs> that I couldn't put in there. I just, you know, I have a separate polka playlist. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't have a particular artist that I'm listening to. I'm just, just kind of jamming out to everything right now. Well, now I know who to ask for October. <laughs> there you go. I'm ready. All you need is a playlist image, and I'm good to go. Sweet. Tariq, are you listening to anything? Um, I've actually been listening to uh, Halloween music. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, sense. she's a big Halloween fan, so... Yeah, I am. You got, like, the Monster Mash and all that stuff on there? Thriller. Yeah. Thriller, yeah. Thriller's yeah. on repeat. Um, the song that's in Beetlejuice. Oh, uh... While they're at dinner. The banana thing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good jam. What, the, the Deo yeah. song? Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Oh, and we got to announce that... This is our last podcast in our current office because we're moving uh, soon. I don't know what I, I didn't want to say a date because I'm not sure the exact published date of mm-hmm. this. But uh, we're pretty excited to be on top of a 
very historic theater here in Tampa, which is also haunted. Yeah, it's good times. Halloween, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Yeah, we've been teasing that move about like upcoming events for a long time. You know, just certain things have delayed it. So we're, we're finally doing it, guys. Yeah, it took a <laughs> long time for sure, like almost a year. Ridiculous. But it's all good. It's going to be a good uh, office. We're going to be a lot less cramped. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. Worth the wait. Yeah. So that wraps it up for the Music Industry 360 Podcast, Episode 5. I'm Tarika. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Jorge. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Or you'll hear us next time. <laughs> <laughs>